Outside of time and space as we know it. Lord, you created time and space and you created this life for us and it's a, it's a very short life. Uh, uh, when I was young, I didn't think I could hardly wait to get older. <laughs> but now that I'm older, looking back, I'm thinking, man, now I know when James says life is like a vapor, that word vapor is literally a <sighs> and then it's gone. And Lord, and we don't know when our life is going to be gone. We have no clue. But you do. Lord, I think about the storm that ravaged uh, south of Tampa. And I think about all the displaced uh, families and people, people that lost their lives that we don't even know the total headcount yet. And they're still searching for people. And Lord, that could have easily come up here. Initially, it was forecast to come up here in our region. And Lord, uh, Lord, you turned it for whatever reason. We're thankful for your mercy. Lord, we don't deserve, none of us deserve your mercy. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for it. And we pray, God, that we just remain thankful for all that you do in and through our life. Use us for your eternal and everlasting glory, God. Lord, let this next few moments, Lord, just touch our hearts and grip our hearts with your precious word as your presence is in us, Father, Lord. We thank you for it as in this place. We give you praise for all that you're doing, God. Use us for your glory. Lord, provide the resources that all those people need. Uh, be with all of our friends. We have many that are just sick at home and they're online watching right now. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as you can do, reach your long arm of love down and touch their sickness and help them to get over whatever the case may be, a virus, a flu, COVID, whatever it is, God, that you reach down and touch them and heal their bodies. Lord, I just put the blood of Jesus over their lives, Father, this morning. Lord, we thank you for being the God of all comfort. We thank you, Lord, that when we can't see your hand, we can absolutely trust your heart. And so, Lord, we thank you for your perfect word made true in all of our lives, especially those of us that know you. And, Lord, if there's anyone here in here today that doesn't know you, I pray before they leave, Lord, that you would make yourself known inside the heart of every person. And, Lord Jesus, we give you praise for it all. In Jesus' precious name, all God's people said what? Amen. 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 You may be seated. Hey, listen, I just want to recognize some folks. I, I, last Sunday, we finished up and we had our what we believe class, or it's like a new members class, so to speak. And so we had some folks that have uh, become members of our fellowship. Amen. And so I just want to, when I mention their names, I want you to kind of stand up. First one I'm going to mention is Sister Sharon. Sister Sharon, will you stand up? Amen. 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 I'm trying to remember how you said your name. Like, say it. That's right. Crouch. Crouch. Uh, there you go. Sister Sherry. That's good. And Brother Raymond, right next to her. Raymond Benson, why don't you stand up, brother? Oh, that's so awesome. It's so awesome to have you there. Also, James and 
Hill. Man, why don't you all stand up and head join our fellowship. Uh, Sister Karen and her daughters. I want you all stand up there, right there. Amen. I'm talking to that. Also, Brother Don over here. Uh, Don, I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name. <laughs> I love it, though. How do you say your last name? Low. 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 Hot. Low hot. Low hot. Oh, low hot. Low hot. Yeah. Don, you're a hottie, right? So anyway, so anyway, this is awesome. But anyway, listen, I just want to thank you guys so much for coming through our membership. We have some other folks, and they haven't got their cards in yet, and I know they're praying through it. And I just, uh, I just want to pray for these new members, and and I want you guys just to welcome them in, and so you know their faces now, and just uh, they're part of the family of Hills Church, Amen. And I love them when I see folks growing in the Lord, right? And also, I forgot one. Sister Joanne, why don't you stand up? Sister Joanne. So thank you so much, sister. It's so good. I appreciate it so, so much. And, uh, and listen, let's pray for those folks right now. Can we pray for them as a family that they are with us? Dear Jesus, we just thank you for these that have taken the steps to become members of this uh, organization. Or, and that what I call, it's not just an organization. Lord, Hills Church is an organism. And Lord, it's alive. And Lord, it is alive only because of you. Yes. You made us alive with your spirit and with the blood that was shed for us. Lord, we have all things in common as believers in Jesus Christ because, Lord, that you saved us from ourselves and you saved us from the enemy and you saved us from our sin. And Father, you give us eternal, everlasting life. And we put our faith wholly on you alone. And Lord, to know that you are not only Jesus, the Son of God, but that you are God in the flesh. And you came for the purpose of redeeming, buying us all back from our selfish selves. And that, Lord, back to you, God, who created us and gave us life and breath. So, God, I just give you praise this morning for our new members. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you encourage them. I pray, God, you give them the energy that's required that they need to fulfill their God-given call on their life. And, Lord, that they find their place and their place, their niche here in this fellowship, Lord, to be a help to you, Jesus, and a help to the rest of us. And, Father, we give you praise and great glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't that cool? I love it when I see our church going. And listen, i got to do this. Hey, let's all wave online. Hey, I want to wave at the camera. We're all waving. Somebody said, they, hey, could you just wave at us? And I said, yep, I'll wave at you. How are you doing? Sister Lola, that was really for you. I mean, so for everybody else, too. But anyway, uh, so I wanted to be sure to do that. And so I just praise the Lord for what he's doing. So if y'all didn't know it, we're in the book of Revelation, right? The prophecy book of Revelation. And uh, we're all the way since January. We've been in the book of Revelation January, doing verse by verse. And today we get to start a brand new chapter. Woohoo, right? So amen, right? So we're making some headway. We're like halfway through. In fact, we know we're halfway through. And the tribulation is seven years long. And we're now right here at the three and a half years. We're coming into the second half of the tribulation. And this is really a combination of some things today. And so I just want to encourage you to lean in and listen. So if you remember last week, we left it with the two witnesses. Remember the two witnesses that were witnessing the gospel uh, all over, and, uh, and then of course we have 144,000 Jews who get saved, and we have a myriad of Gentiles and people that get saved during the tribulation period. So don't let nobody tell you nobody's going to get saved in the tribulation. There's going to be plenty of people that are going to get saved in the middle of the tribulation. It's going to be really amazing. But I'm going to tell you now, but I tell you today, as your pastor, is that it's important for you to get saved today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, like for you and for me. Today is the day, and if you don't want to go through what these people are going through, what we're reading about, then listen, it, I behoove you to think about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And don't be get saved just because you think you're going to escape trouble by getting saved. Get saved because, listen, you want to meet and have an intimate relationship with the Holy God who gave you breath yes. and gave you life in your veins and, and allows you the resources to do what you're able to do. I mean... I mean, do you guys realize that every child is born as a gift from God? 
You know what that makes you? That makes you a gift from God. For who? For one another. God is all about community. He would have made so many people, right? So he wants us to be together. He loves us being together. And, and he wants us to spend some time together. Uh, so with that, I'm going to pick up with verse 19. We read that last week, but I think it really begins going into chapter 12. We've got to incorporate verse 19 in Revelation chapter 11, verse 19. So, so the two witnesses died, right? They were left dead. They were left out. Nobody moved them for how long? Three and one half days. And so, and so, and, and remember we talked about we live in such a time as this because we have cell phones. Is there very many people here that do not have a cell phone, right? And maybe not with you today, but you have a cell phone, right? And cell phones, see, you can, you can see people in real time, right? You can go up on, uh, you can go to Facebook Live, you can go to Instagram Live, you can, you can do live uh, recordings, you can do live things, and, and I got you on live, no, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, but listen, we can actually do live things right here. So these three witnesses who were murdered by the beast, now think about this. People were celebrating the death of these two witnesses in the world during the tribulation period. Remember, the church is gone, right? So all these people were celebrating because they did not like these two witnesses because of the message that they were bringing. And so here they are, the beast comes and slays them, and they're laying for three and a half days. And the people are celebrating. Man, they're buying each other gifts, they're making a holiday, like it was Christmas, and that's what they were doing. And I'm thinking, wow, how crazy is that? And so they're dancing around. So imagine them dancing around with a cell phone. There they are. There they are. There they are, right? And they're sitting there celebrating. Then all of a sudden, these two witnesses get up. And they're alive. They're resurrected. And then God from heaven calls this, come up here. God says, come up here. And then they ascend to be with God forever. Can you imagine that? That's going to happen. These things we're talking about are future events that are going to take place. And you and I as the church body, when we're with Jesus, we're going to witness all this stuff, right? And so it's really incredible. So let's start here on verse 19, Revelation 11, and we'll get into it. It says, in the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened after all these things happened. And the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. So what God says, God says to his people that he is going to keep his promises. God is going to keep his promises to each and every one of us. He is going to keep his promise not just to each and every one of us, but also all people who don't know him. God is going to keep his promises. And his promises are real. His promises are true. See, he loves his people but he grieves over the sins of his people. Amen? He grieves when we sin. He grieves over that. We hurt God over that. But God will always be there. You hear me? God will always be there with his witnesses. And we see this in Scripture. The two witnesses. This witnesses. We're all witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we know him as Savior, we are a witness. My big question as your pastors, are you a good witness or are you a poor witness? Right? You need to be a good witness for Christ. And that's what God would want us to do. The lost will have to, listen to this, the lost people will have to deliberately defy the truth of God. We're all responsible for what we hear. Especially when the truth is being proclaimed. And, since, and this word from cover to cover is truth. It's absolute truth. There's no error in it whatsoever. And we just need to trust God in that. But we can also examine the scriptures and know that it's true. We can go through eons of history. We can go through thousands of years of history and see how true it is. I mean, just to look at the old son of the of living God, Jesus Christ himself. I mean, there were 240 prophecies written in the Old Testament making reference to the Messiah, who Jesus is. And Jesus himself, on one day on the cross, Fulfilled 27 prophecies written five to a thousand years before he was even born on the planet. What are the odds of just fulfilling eight of them? What's the odds of 27 of them being fulfilled in one day when he died on the cross, when his bone wasn't broken, when they cast lots for his garments? Listen, when they were wagging their heads and cursing at him while he was on the cross. So many of these prophecies that were mentioned about, in fact, even in Psalm 22, it talks about him being on the cross. 
In Psalm 22, listen, crucifixion wasn't even part of history at that time, back during King David. So you look at the truth of the Word of God, and you can examine it for yourself and research it, and you can find that it is absolutely true. But here's the thing, it says that your mind will be so depraved as a lost person that even in the desperation as we have been studying, you will reject the awesomeness of God Almighty. And that is so sad. That even in the midst of everything that's going on, uh, that people are going to absolutely reject. Their hearts are going to be so hard, callous so hard, that, and their eyes are going to be so blinded that they can't even see the truth when it comes before them, and they miss it. How easy it is to miss the truth. You remember, you remember when Pilate and Jesus were face to face? And they were talking about truth. And Pilate made the statement. He said, he said to our Savior, he said to our Lord, he said, what is truth? And all the while, he was looking truth right in the eyeball to eyeball. You think about that? The truth that Jesus is, Jesus was, Jesus lived, Jesus healed. Jesus did miraculous signs and wonders. Jesus died at the hands. Listen, he didn't just die because he was murdered. He died because he voluntarily laid his life down. Listen, on a cross, he could have called 10,000 legions of angels to rescue him, but he did not because the purpose of why he went to the cross was for you and for me. To wash away our every sin stain. And he laid his life on a cross. Who would do that for, for anybody today? Who would die? Who, who would take their son and allow their son to be killed on the cross for, a rest, for the rest of the world? Jesus died so we could be set free. Because he's God in the flesh. He is God Almighty. So when we, when we stand before the Lord, and especially as a lost person, they will not or never be able to give a defense of him. The Bible teaches us that. In fact, in Romans 3, Verses 19 through 20, you can look that down. And you can write notes on the back, just write them down. It says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be closed. And all the world may become accountable to who? To, to God. Verse 20 says, because by the works of the law, it says no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes what? The knowledge of sin. If we had no law, how would you know what the knowledge of sin was? Right? All that thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not what? Commit adultery. Thou shalt not lie and bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And those are just a half of them, you know? And when you think about that, these are laws that God, is a standard that God gives us to live by. And we've all broken them, amen? amen? All of us. And this is why Jesus came. This is why we need a Savior. To save us, to sacrifice. He, was, he who knew no sin, what did he do? He became sin. He became our sin. Our sin was applied to him on the cross. And that's exactly what he did. So the loss will be judged, listen to this, by the law of God because the provision of grace cannot be applied to their lives. Why is it? Why is it? Because they reject the truth of God's divine sacrifice, Jesus. They reject the truth of Jesus for their sins. They will die in them. And that's not going to be good. In fact, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. What's a wage? It's something that you earn. You work, you get paid, right? People say, well, I don't believe God's going to send anybody to hell. I say, amen, you're right. He's not going to send anyone to hell to be eternally separated and torment forever. He will never do that. You know why? Because he made a provision to have everlasting life through Jesus and his shed blood. If we go to hell, it's because we choose to go to hell. Amen. For not choosing the Savior of the world, the way, the truth, the life. Out of his own mouth, Jesus made that. And listen, I'm going to believe somebody who rises from the dead over anybody else. Amen? Amen. Right? You ever met somebody who rose from the dead? Mm -hmm. Jesus did. Listen, he was before 500 people when he ascended into heaven. I love the witness of 500 people. All his disciples, the New Testament is written mostly by who? By living witnesses who walked with Jesus, who talked with Jesus, who ate with Jesus, who saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. The witnesses 
wrote most of the New Testament. And we have it in our hands. A living account, an eyewitness account. And it's pretty awesome, right? So here's the thing is to get to hell, folks, you have to trample over and go through the witness of God. Jesus had his two resurrected witnesses, right? All of God's people are witnesses for that matter. And you have to trample over the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, Lord, to, to, to not make it into heaven. You're trampling over the blood of Christ when you deny him. The theme of this chapter is the final conflict between Israel and Satan. So here it is. This is between Israel and the an enemy at, after he is cast out of heaven. Think about this. The seventh trumpet blast, listen, will introduce seven characters during this tribulation period. All this seventh blast of the trumpet is blown. It brings us through this great tribulation, seven years in the millennium, to the very threshold of eternity. However, a great deal of detail is omitted here. Beginning with chapter 12, though, this is going to be compensated through what we're going to look at today as we go through this presentation, right? After this, after this happens, then the seven bowls are going to take effect. So we had the seven seals, right? The seven trumpets are blown. These are all judgment. Seven seals of judgment passed on the earth during the seven-year time that's coming in the future. And then you have the seven trumpets of judgment. And then following, you're going to have seven uh, bowls of judgment that's going to come along here later on. So we're on the seventh trumpet here has been blown, right? And then it says, then the final destruction of commercial and religious Babylon will be. Babylon, if you remember, is the seed of what? Idolatry in the world. It's the world system. It's the idolatry of the world is what Babylon is. We will see front and center how important Israel is here to God. These seven characters are representatives of persons, listen to this, both natural and supernatural, physical and spiritual rulers, listen, and nations. The identification and clarification of these characters are essential for a proper understanding of the book of Revelation. Everything in Revelation revolves around this first character, which we're going to talk about here in a second. The identification of this character is, in fact, the key to understanding the book of Revelations. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Look at Revelation 12. Look at verse 1. It says, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain, to give birth. So when we stop here, we look at who is this woman? That's the question. Well, who is this woman, God? Who is this woman? Some people interpret her as the Virgin Mary. But that's not the case. It's not the Virgin Mary. Some people interpret, listen, as the church of all ages. But it's not the church of all ages. Listen, even, listen, there's lots of denominational literature that follows this line of thinking, right? There have been several, think about this, several female cults who have claimed to be this woman. But they're not this woman. Now the identifying marks of this woman are in this. And you might want to underscore it in your verse that we just read. The sun, the moon, and the stars. The sun, moon, stars. You want to underscore that. That's the identifying marks of who this woman is. This, listen, these belong to Israel. Turn to Genesis chapter 37. And we're going to look at verses 9 through 10. Genesis 37, verses 9 through 10. I want you to remember, remember Joseph and how Joseph, when he was raised, he had certain dreams. Remember the dreams of Joseph? Well, let's go back here to Genesis chapter 37. Look at verse 9 and 10. Now, he had still another dream. This is Joseph. And he related it to his brothers, who didn't like him very much, because he was like the favorite, right? Fair-haired boy in the family. And said, Lo, I have had still another dream. And behold, look what he says, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. The sun, the moon, the stars. Isn't that amazing? Look at this. He related it to his father and to his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream, Joseph? What is this dream that you had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you on the ground? 
Well, church, what happened? Did they bow before him? You fast forward as a teenager, and he's captured, and he's sent off in slavery to Egypt. Joseph's brothers cast him out in a pit. Then they sell him for money, and then they take his coat of many colors, as they remember Joseph, and they dipped it in goat's blood, and gave it back to their dad, and said he was killed by a wild beast. And here Joseph is down in Egypt as a slave. And then Joseph, listen, he never turns his back on God. And then Joseph goes into prison. Listen, he's, he's, he was the master over Potiphar's household, which was the, the, the person that was in charge of all the guard of everything there in Egypt. And so he gave Joseph full reign to manage his household as a slave. And then his wife, Potiphar's wife, said, said what? What did she say? She said, hey, come and lie with me. And he wouldn't do it. Because why? Why wouldn't he do it? Because he, want, he didn't want, listen, he did not want to profane the holy name of God and do such a sin first. And it says that she called for him and grabbed his tunic and he ran out of to get out of that house. And she was ugly and she started screaming that he came in there to try to lay with her. But Joseph didn't do it. And Potiphar was so mad because he believed his wife and his robe was laying there with her and so he believed his wife. And so Potiphar puts Joseph in prison. And then later on, the Pharaoh has dreams. And nobody can interpret the dream except for who? Joseph. And then Joseph comes to the Pharaoh because the, the, there was a baker and there was a um, uh, the baker and there was the guy, that, the cupbearer, who would always test the king's liquid to make sure there was no poison in it. That's what a cupbearer was. And so here he is. Man, they remembered Joseph tell them their dreams. And so they call Joseph up. And Joseph tells the Pharaoh his dream. And he says, remember the dream? Seven years of plenty followed by seven years of what? A famine in the land. Joseph was exited right. They hoarded up all the grain for the seven years of plenty. And then they had enough grain to feed the whole world pretty much after that for those seven years. And Pharaoh makes Joseph the right hand man in all of Egypt. As a king of Egypt. He makes Joseph. And so when we look at this here, you go, wow, this is amazing, right? So here is good old Jacob interpreted the sun, the moon, the stars. Listen, to mean himself, Rachel, and Joseph's jealous brothers. Think about that. And listen, they did bow before Joseph, before things were all over with. Of course, Rachel had died before that time had come. This woman is a sign of from heaven, although she is down here on earth. Think about this. She corresponds to that of the nation of Israel. This is who we're looking at. Jacob had 12 sons, 12 tribes of Judah, 12 tribes of Israel. And so this is, without mistake, this, is, this woman represents the nation of Israel. She corresponds to Israel. She is a symbol who gave birth to who? To Christ, the nation of Israel. That's where Christ came from, the nation of Israel. Listen to this. At Christmas time, check this out. I think this is really interesting. At Christmas time, we always quote Isaiah 9-6. Anybody know what Isaiah 9-6 says? Listen, let's read it together. Isaiah 9-6 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called what? Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. If you watch Charlie Brown and Peanuts, right? You see where, uh, who's it plays piano that says that, recites that? Lila Linus says it. So anyway, I haven't seen it for a while. But think about it. I mean, we always quote that at Christmas time, right? But this verse doesn't really concern us as the church at all. This verse, it really isn't for us. It concerns the nation of Israel. Listen, child will be born to us, not the church, but to Israel. That's what this is about. It's really obvious that Isaiah is speaking to the nation of Israel. He is also not speaking relative to a savior either. But you know what he's speaking relative to? A ruler, like a governor or a king. That's what he's doing. One who was to rule over their nation. Can you see it this morning? Can you see it? Listen, he says, for a child will be born to us, to us, the nation of Israel. A son will be given to us, a ruler, a king. It says, 
And so here, he is a child born in his humanity. Jesus was born in his humanity, but yet the son from eternity. The son of man, the son of God, together. This is why he could be a sacrifice for the sins of the world. We will see this happen in the book of Revelation. And it says, and his name will be called what? Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Listen, there will not be any peace on earth until the, he comes. Amen. Amen. Until he comes. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 3 in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, while they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with a child. And they will not escape. Not. All throughout history, governments to include our own talk of peace, peace, peace. This peace treaty, that peace treaty, every peace treaty. We want peace in Israel. We want peace in the Middle East, right? Is there going to be peace in the Middle East? Not, not before Jesus comes. Every, every single one of them fell. And they will forever fail until the Prince of Peace shows up. Amen? The Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, comes back to earth to set up his millennial thousand year reign. And retake the earth and overcome the devil, the demons and all that. Isaiah here is talking to Israel when he says, for a child will be born to us. This is the figure that John picks up here in Revelations. In Hebrews 7, 14, it says here, for it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. Think about this, talking about Christ. A tribe with reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning the priest. In Romans chapter 9, verses 4 and 5, listen to this. Who are Israelites? To whom belongs the adoption or is Israel? Who, who belongs the adoption of sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises? Whose are the fathers? And from whom is the Christ according to the flesh who is over all? God blessed forever. Amen. And amen. amen. Paul says, Who are the Israelites? And here's the answer. And from whom is the Christ according to the flesh who is over all? And then you think about the woman at the well. Think about the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan. She knew exactly who Jesus was. It took her a minute, but she figured it out when he told her all about her life. And look what she says in John 4, 9. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, and remember, they're at the well together, you know, and so here, here they're at the well together, and she's talking to Jesus at the well, which that would never happen between a Jew and a Samaritan. And she says, how is it that you being a Jew, Jesus was a Jew, right? And he says this, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And then in Micah chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, but as for you, Listen to this. Bethlehem and Paphrod, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has borne a child. Hmm. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. Notice that he will be born where? Where is he going to be born? In Bethlehem. See that? But he will come out of eternity. Isn't that? I think that's so cool. Right? He comes out of eternity, born in Bethlehem. Israel will go through great tribulation after Christ was born in Bethlehem. The woman. Isaiah 66, 78 says, Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she gave birth to a boy who has heard such a thing, who has seen such things. Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she also brought forth her sons. This is Christ. Therefore, the woman is Israel. No one woman ever lived, including the Virgin Mary, that fits into this mold. It is the nation of Israel and not the church of all ages. Why do you think Israel suffered so much down through the ages, through all the masses of the Jews being exterminated, trying to exterminate the Jews? All through history, you can kind of see it all the way up to Nazi Germany. Not even that. Even look at the Muslims today, right? They try to exterminate the Jews, God's chosen people. You see, Satan knew that from the nation of Israel, Christ the Savior, the Deliverer, would come. Now for the next character. You ready? Let's read on. So 
So we establish the woman as Israel. Next is, here we go, verse 3. Then another sign appeared in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. And on his head were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven. And threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth. So that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Hmm. Here we have another sign from heaven. It's another sign. This is a sign. It's not literal, okay? Remember, I said John would tell us when he gives us symbols. And this is another symbol. This red dragon is who? It's Satan. Yes, it's Satan. That's who he is. No speculation here. Listen, at all. It's the devil. Now we see the true character of who Satan is. With all his wrappings removed to deceive no more. Think about this. One, he is called the great because of his vast power. He controls the nations of the world, offering them to Jesus if he would just bow down. Matthew 4, 8 says this, And again the devil took him to a very high mountain, remember that? And showed him all the kings of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. If you would just fall down and worship me. Worship of himself is Satan's ultimate goal. That's what Satan wants. Remember the kingdoms of the world are his and he controls them today. Never lose sight of that. All the kingdoms of the world today belong to Satan. And he's running his course. In that day it was Rome, but understand, as we said last week, Satan controls every single nation in the world. The second thing, he's called Red, because he was a murderer from what? From the very beginning, he was a murderer. We know that. John 8, 44, to the Jewish Pharisees is, You are of your father, the devil, Jesus says, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth. Because why? Because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks what? From his own nature. For he is a liar and he is the father of all lies. You see, Satan has no regard for human life. None, none whatsoever. Why do so many in our world serve him? Why do so many in our world serve him? You know, it's sad. Why do alcohol and drugs kill so many of our families and friends today? Why? It's because Satan is in back of it today, even worse than he was yesterday. Amen? Amen? Satan has no regard for human life. He will entice you with everything and win when not connected to the Savior. Amen? You know, I want to go off scripture just a little bit. I know we had a row of young people that were here in your life. It does break my heart because I want them to know Christ. But the word of the living God is very tough. It can be very hard. But it's for their good. It's not for, it's not, it's not to make them mad. And I know if they're lost, they're not going to understand what I'm talking about. But it breaks my heart. So pray for these young people. Pray that I can have an opportunity just to sit down with them in a circle and talk with them. Eyeball to eyeball. I would love that. To be able to share with them exactly why I love Jesus. And why Jesus loves me. You know? So just remember that. Add them to your list. There's a reason why they were here. And they've been here before. And I'm just going to pray that they come back. They'll come back and they'll think about it. But see, Satan has no regard for human life. He will entice you with everything and everything when not connected to the Savior. What we see. He, he, he is the master distractor. He wants to distract all of us, all of our kids, our grandchildren. He wants to distract us. That's his job. He is also called the dragon. Why? Because of the viciousness of his character. Remember, remember this. Remember when he was Lucifer? Satan was, his name was Lucifer. An archangel, the most powerful one in all of heaven. And sometimes we don't understand that. Sometimes we don't even know that, right? 
He was the, called the son of the morning. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 28, I'm going to write that down. Ezekiel 28, look at the verses 12 through 19. I'm going to read it. Son of man, take up a lamentation of the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God. Listen to this. Here's a description of who Lucifer is for Satan. You had the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the lapis, the lazuli, I don't know how you say that. The turquoise and the emerald and the gold and the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers. And I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created until the unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub. Remember that. From the midst of the stones of fire, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. By the multitude of your iniquities in un the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. Therefore, I have brought fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you, and I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you. And all who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. And you have become terrified and you will cease to be forever. He is the epitome of evil, the devil is. And the depth of degradation, that's what he is. He is the most dangerous being in all of God's creation. He is my enemy. Listen, he is your enemy. Especially if you're a child of God. Right? Listen, he doesn't if he doesn't ever bother you, something is wrong in your life. Amen. Think about that. Man, I had a friend of mine that got saved. And he was so excited to get saved. And he was so excited. He said, Brother Phil, will you come to my baptism? I would like you to come to my baptism. This is when I was in the service. So I went to his baptism. I took time with his baptism. And I said, I loved it. I looked at him up there getting baptized, getting dunked. He was saved. It was joyous. It was a great occasion. Man, we celebrated. We went out to eat everywhere. We just had a great time. It was an awesome, awesome time that he professed Christ as a Savior and was baptized before an entire congregation. Now, fast forward 30 days. He and I worked in the same shop. At lunchtime, he said, he said Phil, can I talk to you a minute? I said, sure. We walk outside. He looks at me, he says, man, I don't know about this Christian thing. I said, man, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? He said, man, ever since I gave my life to Jesus Christ, he said, he said, everything, everything in my life is wrong. Everything comes against me. Man, this happens at my house. This happened to my car. This happened to my relationship. This happened here, there, and everywhere. Everything was happening. Things were coming hard on him. Hard, 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 hard. And he's telling me this, man. I'm in tears. He's like, he says, I don't know if I could do this. I said, well, you can't do it, number one. That's the problem. I said, the other thing is, I said, never forget this. Never forget this. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, what camp were you in before you got saved? You were in the enemy's camp. And as long as you're in the enemy's camp, Satan don't have to work so hard on you. You hear me? I looked at it and said, you hear me, boy? I said, Satan don't have to work hard on you because he doesn't have to. You were doing whatever you were doing, lost, undone, without hope in this world. But when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, guess what? You belong at, you, be, you became an enemy of Satan. You became an enemy of Satan. And it's his goal to render you ineffective for the kingdom of God to be able to propagate and to share the good news of why Jesus saved you. That's what happened. That's what happened to him. He said, I never thought about it like that. I said, yeah, man, come on, you're in the military. Man, you are now an enemy of Satan. And he will do everything he can when you're trying to live a righteous, holy life. And he's going to tell you you ain't worth it. He's going to tell you you didn't really get saved. He's going to tell you you ain't changed. He's going to tell you all these 
lie because he is what? He is the father of lies. Right? And that's what he does. So all of us, never forget that. And that's why I say, if you don't have stuff coming against you, you better check your, you better check your spiritual self. Because I can tell you, I tell you, this old pastor up here, my heart is heavy this morning. My heart's heavy for my brother. My heart's heavy for the Edmondson. My heart's heavy for Brother Frank. My heart's heavy for Brother Earl. My heart's heavy for all of us who sometimes we struggle. We're like, where's the relief? Where's the relief? Where's the relief? How do you spell relief? J-E-S-U-S, not Roland. All right? It's Jesus. Jesus is our relief. He is our comforter. He is our comforter. He is the one that comes to He's the one that helps us through all of our trials. All of our trials. Listen, this world is not our home. We're passing through. Home is heaven. <laughs> and we're going to be there one day. We're going to be there if we know Jesus as our Savior. And we've got to share him to the world. We've got to share him with the entire world. When we get to the next chapter, listen, we will get into the Antichrist. He and the devil are just alike. Why? Because the Antichrist is ruled by who? Satan the devil. And we'll see some of that there, right? Think about how Herod and Pilate both tried to destroy the child of the woman. Remember that? The enemy was at work. The enemy was at work trying to had killed all those babies in Jerusalem. Think about that for a minute. Think about it. Think about Abel and Cain. Think, why would Abel be killed? Maybe, maybe the devil thought that Abel would have been the one, the lineage to come from the Christ child. Think about it. All down through history, the enemy is always at work trying to disrupt and destroy what Christ has done, is going to do. Even Christ himself. Amen? It always takes me back when I look at the passion of the Christ when Jesus is in there being whipped and you see him being scourged and whipped and all these people gathered around but then they had panned this shot of this evil, wicked devil whatever he was walking through the crowd looking, smiling, you know and he was pretty ugly we're going to learn something about the devil here in just a second <laughs> listen God knew from the beginning about what Herod and Pilate were going to do. He knew that from the beginning. So what did God do? God sent Magi to the parents of Jesus, right? What did the parents bring? Gold, frankincense, myrrh, right? Every one of them were very valuable. What did the angel tell Joseph to do? Pick up his family and go to Egypt. And they escaped just in the nick of time. How could they live? They had gold, frankincense and myrrh. Isn't that amazing? So tell me God is not on time. God is an on-time God. Yes. Every single time. Listen, nothing gets by God in Mary and Joseph's life and in your life and mine. Listen, you have nothing to fear. Why? Because God is on time with your life and my life. He's an on-time God. Listen, brother, you have nothing to fear. Church, none of us have anything to fear because God is on time. He's right on time. And then there's the seven heads suggest perfection of wisdom to which originally Satan uh, was the covering cherub. Think about that. Remember when I read that? All wisdom, all knowledge, all this stuff, right? So here we have the devil. And listen, you know what? This is a good lesson for us too. I just thought this came to me. You know what? We all have spiritual gifts. God gives us spiritual gifts, giving, mercy, whatever the case may be. There's like 21 really gifts. There's like 21 gifts and more. Like seven motivational ones. And listen, God wants to use you when you, just, when you find what your gift is and when you operate in your giftedness as a believer, it's phenomenal. You can have the gift of mercy all day long. But let me tell you something. Here's a warning. When you use your gift in the flesh, as good as the gift is in the spirit, is how terrible it's going to be if you use right. it in the flesh. And so when I look at this, that just, that just rang clear with me. Listen, we have nothing to fear. Seven heads are just perfect wisdom. So here the, the devil who was Lucifer, man, he's turned upside down, topsy-turvy. And listen, all that power, all that might, all that wisdom, all that what he's able to do, listen, 
He's a strong devil is what he is. And we can't stand against him. You know, and so, and so here Satan was the covering chairman of Ezekiel 28. Also here, listen, are false perceptions of the devil, right? We have false perceptions of the devil. How many of you remember growing up? What color was he? He was red. What did he have coming out of his head? Horns. Did he have a pitchfork, right? Fork and tail, right? Gnashing teeth. He had all kinds of stuff, right? He looked ugly as all get out. Man, you see movies, they'll portray like the devil as ugly, 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 right? And see, that's the furthest thing from the truth. The devil doesn't come at you as ugly as you would recognize him. Right? Here's how he comes. He was created in what? Perfect beauty. Listen, he can disguise himself as an angel of what, church? Of light. Think about that. You see, Satan is wise and clever, and we are no match for him, ever. Never. We must submit to God. Because the only thing we can do is submit to God, resist the devil's tactics, and watch him flee. But we have to submit to God. You can't just resist him and expect him to go. He's too powerful for you. You've got to submit to God every time. Man, are you battling something? Submit it to God. Give it to God. The devil messing with you in your own playground? Listen. Go to God. Give it to God. Let God take care of it. And let him chase him right out of your life. Amen. That's the only thing that we can do, right? And then there were ten horns. Represent the final division of the Roman Empire, which is dominated by Satan, which is also the final effort to rule the world. The crowns are the horns, not the heads. The, crown, the, the crowns are on the horns, not the heads. Since this is delegated power from Satan. Representing kingly authority and rulership. The third of the stars in heaven indicate the vastness of the rebellion that's going on in heaven. When one third of the angels in heaven follow Satan to their own destruction... Let me tell you something. Satan is powerful when he can pull a third of the heavenly host down from heaven. Satan is a powerful foe. We see that in Daniel 8.10 and Jude 6. The dragon hates the man, child. Since because this was predicted from the very beginning, listen, it was predicted from the very beginning that this would happen. That the child would destroy Satan. Remember? Genesis 3.15, what's it say? And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. And listen, look at, look at verse 5 of, of uh, Revelation 12. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Here we go. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there should be, would be nourished for 1,260 uh, 1, days, for three and a half years. The man-child is who? It's Jesus Christ. That's who it is. It's Jesus we're talking about here. Easy to identify. This is not the church. This is, listen, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron? Jesus. It's clear cut that this is Jesus. In fact, the Psalms 2.9 says, You shall break them with a rod of iron, and you shall shatter them like earthenware. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, the persecuted Christians quoted this psalm, Psalm 2, that identified Jesus as the one to rule with a rod of iron. Christ will come to put down all enmity, all opposition, all rebellion in earth. How is he going to do it? With a rod of iron and dash them to pieces. Jesus is coming. Listen, is there any country in the world that today is prepared to yield to Jesus? How many countries today in the world are prepared to surrender and yield to Jesus? Are there any countries in the world prepared to yield to Jesus? Not one. Not one. Do you think they're prepared to surrender? No, they won't be. But why don't they? They could yield to him today. Right now, our countries could yield to him, but they will not do it. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to rule. Listen, and we must allow him now. Today is the day of salvation for us. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. This is in reverence to Jesus, what? In the book of Acts, when he was, listen, when he ascended to the Father, and sat at the right hand of the Father in his throne. Isn't that amazing? In all the epistles, the emphasis is always on the resurrection of Christ. But in the book of Revelation, what's the emphasis on? 
the ascension of Christ. Always. Acts 1, 9 through 11. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. And the cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently to the sky, while he was going, behold, two men in white apparel stood beside them. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking in the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. He's coming back. Amen? The book of Revelation is the unveiling of the ascended Christ, the glorified Christ, the Christ who is coming back in the clouds of glory. That's how he's coming back. And the book rests upon the fact that Jesus ascended into heaven. He is the one who has been opening the seals in heaven that we've been studying about. He opens the seals. He allows the trumpets to be blown. He is guiding the guiding force in heaven. The focus of Revelation is always on Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. In his glorious state. And that's what we're seeing as we go through here. He's directing every single thing in heaven and on earth. He is directing you and me. Whether you think he is or not, he is. He's directing us. Whether we obey him or whether we disobey him. He is directing everything that's going on in the world. Hmm. In all the epistles, the emphasis was always on the resurrection. It's on the emphasis of the ascension of Christ. He is the one who has been opening up everything, bringing everything to pass that has happened since then. He's on time every time. Amen, church? In Hebrews 12, 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. And I can go boom right there because... That was the seal in the devil's coffin right there. Listen, and Jesus is present with us here today in the church. And she gave birth to a son, a male child. I believe this settles the identity of the woman, don't you? Israel is clearly the one whom Christ came. While we, the church, came from Jesus. Think about this. Jesus, according to his flesh, came from Israel. Galatians 4, 4 says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, from Israel, under the law. Isn't that good? So that He might what? redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Born under the law, that means He was an Israelite. Amen? He was an Israelite all day long. Galatians three sixteen. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, plural, as referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed, that is Christ. God told Abraham he was going to make you a great nation. And then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God. This remnant during the tribulation will be, listen, protected by God. Israel will be protected by God once again. We are not really sure where the place is. Some people think it's in Petra in Jordan. But we truly don't know. That's speculation. We don't know where, how he's going to do that. I mean, Petra is not a good place for the bombs of today. They can wipe it out. So I don't know where. I don't know. I have no clue where he's going to protect these people. We don't know. But I know that he knows. Amen. Right? See, God is not caught by surprise about anything in your life and mine. And we need to rest in the fact that, man, he has written your life out. He has written, he has your life written. He knows everything from beginning to end. I was talking with a brother of mine in North Carolina. I said, yeah. I said, what I love about the Lord, what God, he sits outside of time and space. He looks inside time and space, but he sits at the end of time. He starts time, he sits at the end of time, he looks back, and he sees everything that's transpiring, everything that's taking place. And it's in his order and his timing. What we must do, right, is get underneath him. And his, he's the authority. And we need to allow our life to be ruled by who? By King Jesus. And when we do that, listen, we will touch the lives of other people. We will touch the lives like these young people that got up in there. Listen, we need to touch lives. We need to love on people. And we need to touch them with the truth of who Jesus is. I want to see every soul saved. God wants every soul to be saved. There's not one soul, I believe, that God does not want to see saved. 
And he could be your enemy. He could be your greatest enemy, but he wants to see him saved. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute and hurt you. Pray for them. That they would come to know Jesus as Savior. Pray for all your family. Pray for your friends, your acquaintances, the people that you meet. Amen? Do you know Christ as Savior this morning? I pray that you do. And if you don't, ask Jesus Christ to come in your heart. Confess Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. Turn away from your wickedness and what you've been doing and chase Jesus with a holy calling on your life. And let God be, listen, and let God touch your life. And let Him direct your life for the rest of your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for our time together. Lord, you are faithful to each and every one of us. And God, I praise you for our time together this morning. Lord, I, I pray, I lift up these young people who walked out. And Lord, I pray, God, that Holy Spirit, we know the Bible teaches us that your word doesn't return empty. It doesn't return void. But Lord, I thank you for allowing us the time to plant seed into the hearts of those young people that would cause them to think about their eternal future. And to know that they can rest their hopes on you, Jesus, the King who overcame death, fell in the grave. Lord, maybe someone here right now, Lord, has never trusted you as Savior. Lord, I pray that they would ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into their heart. That they would believe in your sacrifice on the cross for all their sinfulness. That they would believe that you were buried in a tomb and that you rose from the dead as only the Son of God could do. Lord, you are not just the Son of God. You are God. And so, Lord, help us to realize that fact as we live our life. How can we not surrender ourselves to you, a holy God? who has all things in perfect order. Lord, teach us to walk humbly and obediently to do all that you've called us to do. For those here that may not, maybe not know Jesus, maybe they pray, say, Jesus, come into my heart. Save my soul today. Lord, I want to make sure that, Lord, that, that one, I know you, and that I'm going to live forever with you in glory. And I want to get to know you more. I thank you, Lord, for those who may have made that decision this morning to trust you as Savior. And I pray, Lord, that whoever it is, Lord, that they can come and talk to me after the service. And I would be glad to help encourage them on what their next step is. Father, I thank you for our time together. We pray for those that are hurting. We pray for those who are, are hurting uh, physically. We pray for those who are hurting uh, spiritually. Lord, we lift them all up to you, Lord. We lay them, Lord, at the feet of Jesus. Because at the feet of Jesus, all things are made new. And Lord, I thank you for our time together. I praise you for it all. For it's in Jesus' most holy and precious name, I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, I, wanted, I, I forgot to do something earlier. Brother Larry wanted a microphone. <laughs> Can you turn this microphone on, Brother Terry? There it is. <laughs> I just want to say, uh, you know, we're all thinking about all the people down south mm -hmm. and praying, but let's not forget to pray for our pastor here, too, because he's one of the best, I think, we've ever seen, or I have ever seen. And uh, <clears throat> he always tells me, uh, when we witness, that we all have a story, and we should be able to do it in three and a half minutes. When I woke up at five o'clock this morning, uh, I felt on my heart that I should witness, but I said to myself, I can't even begin to tell my story in three and a half minutes. So don't worry, I'm not gonna keep you long. <laughs> my knees won't let me. Um, <clears throat> so what I decided to do is, I wanted to pass this word on uh, by a show of hands. How many out here are grandparents? Look at that. Yeah. My folks did not go to church, neither one. But my mom made sure I was in Sunday school every single Sunday from age five. And my grandmother would pick me up, and I would sit in church with her after Sunday school. 
So you might want to pass that on to your kids and your grandkids in whatever way you feel is right because it does make a difference. Amen. I was saved when I was 12 and it's why I'm back here today. Amen. And so uh, whether you're folks or whether you've grown up in the church or not, it don't make any difference, but it does make a difference to those kids. Right. So I just want to pass that on. Thank you, Brother Larry. Listen, Brother Larry, his wife is having surgery next Thursday. And so uh, let's just pray for him. I mean, he just wanted to share with you guys. And let's just pray for him and his wife. Father, I thank you for Brother Larry. I thank you for his faithfulness to serve you and to come out and to share about the glory of the Lord that's in his life. I thank you for Linda. I pray, God, that you touch her heart, touch her mind, touch her soul. Help her, Lord, to go through this surgery, that it would be successful, that there would be no complications, and, Lord, that you would reveal anything hidden to the doctors so they can best minister to her need. Father, we thank you for a speedy recovery, and I thank you for my brother's knees, that you would heal his knees as well, Father. We give you praise. We give you, we give, we give you a, a love and glory, Father, Lord, for all that you do in and through our life. We thank you for being with us, in us, with us, and upon us, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father. For it's in Jesus' precious name. And all God's children said what this morning? Yeah. Amen. Go enjoy your day. Enjoy your day. Love you. Oh, yeah, listen, there's no Bible study. Brother Bob Ferry called me this morning. He is sick. And so uh, he won't uh, be here tonight. So we want to have any Bible study tonight. I was going to do something myself, but I'm planning on going and taking a trip to visit a family and also see my brother, too. So. God bless you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Okay. We'll talk to you later.